What's up, everyone? Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. It's Tuesday, February 27th, and it's time for episode 185. And I'm excited about this one because we're going to be answering your questions on this episode. But Kanan, before we get to this episode, I've got to talk about something that one of our uh, teammates or really a couple of our teammates uh, have been a part of. We're going to go ahead and bring Brett Jemis into the broadcast. He's our graphic designer, and, and he's been a part of this project that I'm about to talk about. I just got back from the premiere of a documentary that our producer, uh, Richmond Weaver, put together. It's called Better Together, and it catalogs the recent season for Furman that, as you probably remember, ended uh, with a win in the NCAA tournament after snapping uh, a very lengthy losing streak uh, in the SOCON tournament. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's going to be out on Amazon Prime in a couple weeks. Uh, Brett, you were there with me. Just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on both working with the project and just your excitement level after seeing episodes one and four tonight. Yeah. Um, again, thanks for having me on the show, guys. Really appreciate it. But um, yeah, um, we just got, got back from the premiere. And I mean, so I, I guess to backtrack things a little bit, uh, Richmond had asked me for, um, he kind of brought me on the project back in the fall around October sometime. And um, just, you know, was then telling me about the project. And I actually had a special connection with the men's basketball program. I actually worked on a couple of projects uh, pertaining to their facilities um, over the last few years. So I actually knew Coach Richie and his staff pretty well and um, followed along with their story, obviously, throughout the, the tournament and everything. And so when he was telling me that um, it just so happened that he had a, a camera crew embedded in the program for um, that entire season. And then he you know, told me about just how he was uh, talking about the, the the story and how it um, you know pertained to to just I mean I think Richmond did such a good job of just how it really spoke to life in general how sports has such a great impact in that way and then um, you know so me and him had always been working on this project from uh, you know from a, a graphic standpoint from a marketing standpoint social media that kind of stuff but I never actually seen any of the footage quite yet we saw the trailer the trailer was amazing um, and then this premiere it showed uh, two out of uh, what will be a five part series um, on Amazon Prime. And, um, you know, the, there's a lot of fans out there um, uh, at tonight's premiere. The, the coach, uh, coaching staff was there, the players were there. And to actually witness um, everybody's, you know, first time uh, watching this uh, docuseries was just really special. I mean, there was a lot of young kids, some old heads that had been, uh, you know, Furman fans their entire life that were watching this and were actually getting emotionally charged. And there was a couple of them actually breaking out into some tears uh, with one of the episodes uh, that we had watched because, and you could just tell like it, it meant so much to them. And uh, the story was just so well told. And I mean, I, I can't wait for it to hit Amazon and uh, just so we can binge the next couple episodes. Cause I think it's something that a lot of people are going to be able to relate to and some, uh, some kind of content that I think a lot of people nowadays are looking for. And uh, I mean, they're going to be happy with the product. That's for sure. No, I haven't. I wasn't able to make it to the premiere, obviously, but hearing Richmond and you guys talk about the project has me excited to watch it, just like our listeners who haven't been able to see it yet. And I know my love for college basketball has grown since writing for On Three. We've been talking and writing about, I've been talking and writing about college ball more than I ever have. And I'm excited for March. And I think this coming out around March is just going to add some more fuel to that fire. So I definitely can't wait to see Richmond do his thing as far as him behind the scenes, pulling the strings of this one. We know he does so much for this podcast. I expect great things for the doc and can't wait to watch it on Amazon Prime. And also heard that there's an appearance in this last episode that was teased at this premiere with Stephen Curry potentially 
being in the last episode, I think that's something super exciting too. I know all basketball fans, college, NBA, they love that guy. It's a great guy to to, to get in that documentary, a huge pull, hoping we can maybe get him on the podcast one day, one, <laughs> one way or another. But definitely excited for this documentary for sure. Can't wait to watch it. Yeah, Caden, uh, I'm excited too. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Like we said, it's going to be coming out on Amazon Prime in the weeks ahead and uh, definitely would suggest uh, taking some time to binge that when it comes out. But uh, before we get to today's show, wanted to kind of give you an update about our last episode. Uh, Kate and I sat down. We previewed the upcoming NFL Combine this week. Uh, we broke down each of the the games of the seven participants uh, from the Sun Belt. We talked a little Rasheen Ali. We talked Javon Solomon and his upside. So if you haven't watched or listened to that episode, we would highly suggest uh, you going back, giving it a watch, giving it a listen wherever you consume this show. But Kaden, on today's episode, I already said it, we're answering our fans' questions on our off-season mailbag, and I can't wait to get into it, but Kato, we know you love a good mailbag, and, and I gotta admit, I've gotten a sneak peek at, at some of the questions that have been submitted from our listeners, and I gotta admit, they they knocked it out of the park. Yeah, you know I love the mailbag, No, It's just great a great bridge, I think, between us and our listeners, getting their feedback, hearing their questions, and, and they do ask some great questions. I know I got my eyes on some of these questions, too. Definitely excited to answer them, give the people what they want, and a segment that I'll always be down for forever is just hearing from our fans, hearing from our listeners, and, and hopefully getting to the bottom of some of these these hot topics when it comes to the Sun Belt and beyond. Well, we, we always bring Brett Jemison for these episodes, these special episodes. He's with us again. He's our graphic designer, he's the one behind all of the uh, the great graphics that are put out on social media. So, Brett, uh, really, without further ado, you're back by uh, high demand. Let's jump into uh, this mailbag. <laughs> Love it. Well, I got a good first question before we get into some of the nitty-grittiness with uh, the football-related questions. But the first question that I got for y'all is actually to both of you guys, um, and that's how did Prairie and Smith podcast, how did it come about? How did y'all meet? Yeah, Kane, I think I'll go ahead and start if you're fine with that. And then uh, I'll get your thoughts as well, because I know there's an element of this story. But, uh, you know, the Farron Smith podcast for me was an idea that I had, you know, a couple of years ago. And it, it came out of the idea that not only the group of five, but the Sun Belt as a whole were undercovered. I think uh, many people who listen to this show know that that's the case and even feel the, the feel the same way. Um, and so with my relationship with the Sun Belt, I said, man, it'd be really neat to be around the game of football more, be able to talk to, you know, people around this league. And so uh, I was at Media Days two years ago and I happened to to run into Harry Lyles, who uh, our listeners would know has been uh, on this program before he appears on, you know, around the horn. He also is sidelined for ESPN. You've seen him on a number of those midweek games uh, throughout the last couple of years. But uh, I, I told him about the idea. He liked the idea. I said, "Hey, is there any chance you know anyone? Uh, you know that you know that works in media that uh, maybe played in the Sun Belt? Uh, you know, again, I think our listeners know Brett, and uh, you actually work for uh, another podcast very similar to ours, the Grammick and MacLean podcast that covers the ACC. And um, you know, just through some mutual connections, I ended up getting connected with Caden and uh, Caden. I think we talked, you know, two weeks or maybe a month before the season back." Uh, in 2022, this all came together and, and we're nearing our 200th episode now, partner. Yeah, man, it's crazy because my connection with Harry was very new. Uh, Eric McLean connected me with Harry when I was trying to get a job. And a couple months after getting, or maybe even a couple weeks after getting my job at On3, he's 
telling me that somebody wants to potentially have an opportunity with me to do a Sunbelt podcast. And I had done my own podcast in college with my teammate, Thomas Hennigan, did 20 episodes of that. And that was one where I had to do a lot of the heavy lifting as far as the editing and all of that stuff. And when Noah comes to me and puts a, a silver platter in front of me and has this big vision for this podcast, where it seems like all I have to do is prepare, show up and try to give my knowledge and do my best, it was a no brainer for me. And now we've seen how much has evolved, how, what it's turned into now pushing close to 200 episodes. So definitely a great opportunity for me. Glad to see where it's been and, and couldn't be happier that we're still on this journey of the Ferry and Smith podcast. Well, and I think to your point, uh, I couldn't have found a better partner because, uh, you know, for those people who, who don't get to see the behind the scenes work, the amount of, you know, work that you put in and I, and I demand a level of work. That's the type of person that I am. Uh, so it has been honestly the, the perfect fit and, uh, we're near an episode 200. I think we're, we're working on some special guests or a special guest uh, for episode 200. So we're excited about that milestone and obviously uh, years to come. And and also just very thankful for uh, the team, uh, Richmond, Brett, uh, and I hear even we're going to be adding an intern pretty soon. So uh, some exciting things happening uh, with the Ferry and Smith podcast. But Brett, uh, let's get into the rest of these questions here tonight. Cool. Well, all right. These next two questions are actually going to be pertaining to uh, the rivalries uh, within the Sun Belt. So first question, um, what are your top five Sunbelt football rivalries currently. Okay. And I think I'll, I'll jump in here and I think you and I can kind of go back and forth. And, and for me, this is, you know, a question that we saw ahead of time, you and I discussed a little bit um, of how we would go about this. And I think we, we settled on ranking our top five rivalries. And I think one of the things that we definitely prioritized is uh, has there been a back and forth in recent years in terms of wins, there's going to be one rivalry that we've got ranked pretty low that I think is going to surprise some people, but it's for that reason. I think, um, you know, animosity between fan bases, I think, is key. And uh, oftentimes we gauge that based on uh, Twitter. So for me, Caden, I think having said all of that, and I think you're going to agree with me here, I went with App Georgia Southern uh, as my number one rivalry in the Sun Belt. Uh, they call it deeper than hate. I think if you're around this game, if you're around Twitter during that week leading up to it, I think you can understand why they call it that. Um, and like I said, each team has, has won three games since 2018, App State. Uh, has obviously won three out of the last four. But uh, that one, and Caden, I know you're not going to love to hear this, that was the game that kept App State out of a bowl game for the first time in program history, a double overtime win. So I think App Georgia Southern and, and deeper than hate had to be the uh, the number one rivalry in the Sun Belt. Yeah, I obviously have some bias here, but I think when it comes down to this rivalry, it's kind of untouched in the Sun Belt. I mean, this is one of the true ones where you talk about the history of the records. When you look historically, this is one where the records are genuinely thrown out the window. I've been on undefeated App State teams who have lost to Georgia Southern at home. This is one where you kind of have it in your mind all season. I know they used to run the triple option, so we had to kind of prepare in the offseason for playing Georgia Southern, but we call it hate week up on the mountain. This is not a program we like. This is the fan base we don't like. We don't like going to Statesboro. There's nothing about Georgia Southern as a player that you liked at all. And this is definitely, for me, the top Sunbelt rivalry when it comes down to it. Kate, I think next up, and, you know, a similar, you know, vibe, and, and Georgia Southern's involved again, and that's modern-day hate. I know that uh, you and I think that that's amongst the best names of a rivalry in the Sunbelt. And, uh, you know, like with App and Georgia Southern, um, you know, each of these teams have won three out of the last six, dating back to 2018. Yeah, I think this is definitely the hottest in-state rivalry in the conference right now. When you just think about the state of Georgia, the prominence of 
the the football in that state and you just have the ties as well when it comes down to the recruiting the familiarity with both programs them being not too far apart kind of atlanta versus south georgia two different cultures as well this is definitely one of those ones where back like i mentioned before when the triple option days were happening and georgia state as they typically do ground and pound football team was one of the most physical matchups you'd see year in a year on the conference it looks a little different now with some of the air raid stuff that georgia southern's doing but i think there's no question that this is the top in-state rivalry i think when it comes down to the Sun Belt. Well, and Caden, to your point, I think it just got a little bit more juice as well because Del McGee is the new head coach at at Georgia State. He was the former interim head coach at Georgia Southern. They're going to be recruiting against each other. I think things could get uh, really interesting. But uh, who'd you have at number three? This has me interested. Yeah, the number three one, it's, it's like you mentioned, when you talk about the different rivalries, it comes down to to what what the record is between both teams and both programs when it gets into it. And I know that you you technically want to, to to put those ones that are the, the rivalries that you you regard the highest as far as the acclaim. But when it comes down the track record and the future of the rivalries, I think when you look at the Royal rivalry right now and what's been brewing between Old Dominion and James Madison, I think that's our pick for number three. And when you talk about the future of this rivalry, I think it's one where there's a lot more potential than maybe the past that we've seen. But when you look at last year's game between James Madison and Old Dominion, it was a close one. And it's kind of back to what I was saying before, where the records kind of get thrown out of the window. You didn't expect this Old Dominion team to push JMU to the ropes the way they're able to. But that was a tight game. I expect it to be tight in the future within the state of Virginia. And I think kind of goes back to the same thing I was talking about with Georgia State and Georgia Southern. Everyone knows JMU kind of has that notoriety as a program. And I think Ricky Ronnie's program at Old Dominion is kind of a gritty bunch that doesn't flinch and, and really brings that effort and energy no matter what. So I think this one might be more of a forecasted pick going forward. But I think another great name with the Royal Rivalry, maybe my personal favorite name when it comes down to rivalries in the conference is going to be in that three slot for me. Yeah, Kane, I, I think that's a great pick. And the one thing I love about the Royal Rivalry is this is a rivalry that got renewed because of some of the changes in the Sun Belt. These two teams played each other back in 2011, 2012. Old Dominion won both of those games, but now with JMU and Old Dominion both in the Sun Belt, this is a rivalry that we're going to see uh, for many years to come. And, and JMU's won the last two. The last one was close. So I think that that's a great trending up rivalry uh, in the years ahead. But uh, I know for us, checking in at number four, and we go back to what we talked about, uh, there has to be some back and forth in a rivalry. And I will say the next rivalry we're going to talk about, uh, there's a lot of back and forth on Twitter. But when you look on the field, uh, it has been controlled by one team lately. And and that is the battle for the belts between Troy and South Alabama. Caden, it's been lopsided. Troy's won seven of the last eight. They've won six in a row. And I'm starting to question as we move forward, is this even a rivalry anymore? Yeah, it's a tough one. I think with coach turnover in both programs heading into next season, that'll maybe add to some neutrality when it comes to the, the lopsidedness of this rivalry. But I think 2022 was the best iteration we saw of this game. That was when you saw South Alabama having their, their breakout year as far as their program's history and their, their best shot at challenging Troy in that low scoring affair that we all got to watch on national television. But I think looking forward, this is another one like kind of the James Madison rivalry with Old Dominion that will get better with time, I think, throughout the Sun Belt. And I think the West at large just needs more rivalry. So I'm hoping that this battle for the belt, it's one of the few rivalries, I think maybe the only one in the conference that has a trophy to go along with it. That trophy and that belt has been staying in Troy, Alabama for quite some time now. But I think moving forward, it's definitely going to be one of the best ones in the West moving forward, not just with what you have in the state of Alabama, but hopefully with just a, a notable trophy and something that the entire country can kind of get behind. I know everyone loves a good old trophy between two rivals. 
Hey, we've also heard that it will be featured on the EA Sports video game uh, that comes out this summer. So rivalries are definitely going to be featured. I think that'll be a lot of fun. But, uh, Caden, I know the last one was a little bit more challenging. And, you know, you mentioned it. You know, a lot of these rivalries that we're talking about, they go back, you know, into that Sunbelt East. And because a lot of them go back all the way to times that these teams were in the SOCON. And this last one that we went with is very similar. That's App State and Marshall, the Old Mountain Feud. And it goes all the way back to 1985. But, this rivalry was renewed in 2020, which was the first time it was played since 2002. And then since then, and I know you were a part of a couple of these, uh, it's been split two to two. The home teams won each game. Uh, so I think uh, it, it this is an interesting rivalry. And I think with the change and the growth of the Sun Belt, I think we could really see this rivalry become something special in the future. Yeah, this one's a little near and dear to my heart. I was unfamiliar with the FCS days and the rivalry that existed between App State and Marshall until we were playing them in 2020. It was my first year starting, and I was not familiar with the game of this rivalry at all. But then you have your head coach and a Sean Clark who played at App State, who was a part of this rivalry, talking about how nasty it was, talking about how much it means for him. A guy being from West Virginia, our highlight tape before the game was showing footage of Randy Moss and some of the old App State legends going at it back in the day. It definitely gets me the goosebumps right now just talking about it. And even before they entered the conference, there was a level of animosity, physicality that you love to see in these rivalries. And that's only picked up where it's left off when you have these teams two, these two teams now square off on an annual basis. So I think this is definitely one that's going to continue to have some juice as a renewed rivalry and just the regionality and how close they are. I think this is one that has that history and a, and a bright future as well when you talk about rivalries in this conference. Brett, do you have a favorite? Man, I mean, call, I mean, call me old school, I guess, or maybe new school the way that we're looking at it now. I'd say JMU App State. I mean, just with everything, I mean, App State brings with it the history, the brand recognition, the notoriety. But then JMU, obviously, with the success that they had this past season, and then just the success that they even had at the FCS level, um, you know, bringing that into uh, their first couple years in the FBS, and then now just really establishing themselves as one of those dominant teams that. Not only the Sun Belt needs to take uh, a hard look at, but even the nation, you know, they, they were kind of flirting with that, um, that undefeated record for you know, pretty deep in the season. So I'd say just that rivalry, I think really, um, I think this year really sparks, uh, sparked a lot of interest in the Sun Belt from a national perspective. And it was a heck of a rivalry, heck of a game too. So I'm really looking forward to that one for the years to come. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I know that we had been asked by one of our listeners about, you know, a rivalry that over the next five to 10 years, we think is going to continue to grow. And Caden, I think Brett's spot on here. I think it's App State JMU and, and you don't have to look, you just have to look at the games. I, I mean, they've split uh, in these first two matchups uh, since JMU joined the Sun Belt. Uh, they've each won on their home field. Uh, obviously, App State, we remember ending JMU's season, undefeated season this year in front of a sold-out crowd up in Bridgeforth. Um, and, and then you can look at basketball, where App State's you know, won two games this year. And I know that uh, as an App State fan, Caden, you're excited about uh, you know, basketball that's being played up in Boone right now. But for me, this is a, this is a budding rivalry that I think uh, might even at some point uh, supplant uh, App State Georgia Southern. Yeah, I think y'all both nailed it on the head. I think going forward, when you talk about the east side of this conference, really overall, these top teams are going to be playing in physical, just just hard-nosed football games competing for that championship spot. And I think the epitome of that is what we've seen out of James Madison and App State the last couple of seasons in those matchups. Obviously, the national notoriety of having that game have a, be a college game day type atmosphere last year certainly helps. But I think looking forward in the next five, 10 years on which rivalry could potentially bud, I have to take it to the West because there aren't West rivalries. And I think one that might be blooming right now 
could be between Arkansas State and Texas State. These are two teams that are kind of outliers when you look at the conference regionally. I can call it the Far West rivalry. I can kind of brand name that right now going forward. But I think when you look at both of these teams, they were two programs that over exceeded expectations last year. They're going to be heading in the right direction, I think, these next couple of years. And when you look at their matchup last year, you have the 77 to 31 upstate by upset by Arkansas State that nobody saw coming. That's definitely something that going to sit poorly in the stomachs of Texas State moving forward all offseason. So I'm really excited for that game circling on my calendar next year. And I think moving forward, we could see that be one of the best games in the West year in and year out if these programs continue trending in the right direction. Well, I think to your point, I would have already gone and tried to copyright that, but pretty much our entire team outside of Richmond uh, is on the show right now. So we'll have to, we'll have to jump on that. But uh, Brett, I know that uh, kind of that next category of questions that our listeners sent us were kind of about the, the future of the Sun Belt as well as kind of the future of college football. What do we got? Yeah, this first question, uh, which Sun Belt program is most likely to be in contention for the 12-team college football playoff in 2024? Yeah, Caden, I think I'll go first here, and I don't think I'm going to say something that's going to surprise many people. Uh, I think it's App State, you know, at least uh, should be considered amongst those teams you know, in the Sun Belt, this is going to be the first year of the playoff. I think App State brings back uh, a number of, of strong players. Obviously, they played in the conference championship game a year ago. So I think App State is definitely in that conversation. I can tell you I'm not leaving James Madison out. Our listeners know I talk a lot about, you know, money and the budgets. And obviously, James Madison has by far and away the biggest budget in the conference. Uh, I really like, you know, bringing in Bob Chesney. And uh, I think he's going to do a good job. They've been able to kind of restock through the transfer portal. and. Uh, they've already proven that they're going to be a force. And Caden, I'd be remiss not to mention Troy. They continue to get into the conference championship game. So, you know, can they do it again uh, this coming year under Jared Parker? Uh, you know, we will certainly see. But I think Troy at least has to be in that conversation. But in the end, I think for me, partner, App State is probably the team in 2024 that if I had to sit down here uh, in February, late February, and say could really make a run at the college football playoff, I think it's the Mountaineers. Yeah, and I think you can just directly look at the new format of the college football playoff and say, okay, who's going to be most likely to come out of this conference as the champion? And that's who's going to be the representative. And right now that has to be App State when you talk about the continuity they have on their coaching staff at key positions like quarterback. They're going to be the favorite going all the way up until the preseason. We're at media days, I think. So they're definitely that team that I think people in the Sun Belt have circled as who could possibly represent this conference in the 12-team playoff. But like you mentioned, you can't count out James Madison, especially given what they were able to do last year as far as getting national notoriety, being one of the few ranked teams we've seen in the last couple of years in that top 25. I think if they get off to an undefeated start yet again, find themselves in those rankings, they're going to, from a national perspective, definitely have that notoriety and have people kind of looking towards them to be that team to step up and be in that 12-team playoff. So I think between those two teams right now, you can't really go wrong with either, especially when you mentioned Troy as well. I think those are the top three contenders. When you think about nationally who people recognize as that, as that top team in the Sun Bowl that could t- potentially be looked at as the top group of five team overall in this 12-team playoff era that starts next year. Hey, it's going to be fun. That's all I can say. Brett, what else? All right, so next question. So we saw that UMass, uh, we saw them announce that they're joining the MAC in 2025 in all sports. Do you think that the Sun Belt will look at some universities that may be displeased with their conference slash looking for more regionality? What do you think, Caden? Yeah, I highly doubt this one. And I think it just goes back to our conversation with Commissioner Gill. Just throughout our conversation and our great insightful chat with him, it seemed like he was just very happy with where the Sun Belt is right now. You talk about the balance that's in the conference right now with seven teams on each side, one of the few 
conferences across all of college football that's still doing divisions. This is a traditional conference at the moment that's a little bit of a throwback when you look across the national scene of conferences in college football. And I think it's going to continue doing that, leaning into the regional rivalries and continuing doing what they do best, which is having one of the best products when it comes to week in and week out, having college football, not really trying to throw any other teams or get other teams to join the conference, even if other teams might want to join the conference. Because I think that's definitely a trend we could be seeing as far as realignment goes, as teams wanting to be a part of the Sunbelt Conference, because it is a special league. But I think right now, in the next couple of years, and especially in this upcoming season with the 12-team playoff, I think Commissioner Gill and this conference is going to just continue being on track as far as having their team set with the conference moving forward. Yeah, I think to your point, either Commissioner Gill has a really good poker face or they are really not on board with adding more teams right now. I mean, I think 14 is a good number, seven in each division. Uh, You know, so I think right now the short answer is no, but the big thing looming and Brett, you're going to love this. uh, You know, obviously FSU and Clemson are, you know, maybe considering leaving the ACC. There's a a lawsuit going on right now. And I I heard that maybe there was a negotiation that could take place uh, for FSU to leave the conference. But I think, uh, you know, until maybe that move happens, I don't think you're going to see massive shifts, but uh, I think we could see that happen. Brett, uh, you know, I hear that Clemson might uh, be leaving the ACC. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I'd like to at least say that I got a, a couple of people kind of on the inside right uh, right now with the, within that whole situation. And so I can't speak too much on it, I guess, without uh, any kind of confirming details, but I do know that, um, yeah, you know, it's definitely, it, it's just, it's kind of the, the world we live in now. Um, with obviously the Big Ten and the SEC kind of dominating the the college football landscape in a lot of ways, but especially with that uh, with revenue and uh, you know the SEC already having South Carolina um, as a, a, a not only a brand and a team within its conference, but a, a, the the market um, the TV market uh, of South Carolina. Clemson doesn't necessarily look all that great to the SEC, despite the regionality and you know the fact that they played all these SEC teams over the years, it's actually the big 10 that I think might come in and, and give them a, a really, uh, a really good offer and one that they maybe can't refuse at the end of the day. So we'll have to just wait and see on that. But as a Clemson fan, Oh yeah, I'm trying to get all the information and all the details as I can, as it pertains to that situation. Well, Brett, without giving up your sources with your right eye, you know, blink if, uh, if Clemson's leaving the ACC. <laughs> I mean, I, if, if you want to, if you want to expand that question by within the next, Five years, then yeah, it might be. <laughs> I love that. Uh, might have to give you a wink. Yeah, now staying on that expansion theme, I know that's our next question. Yeah, expansion. So, with that, um, who would your dream expansion candidates be for the Sun Belt? Kane, you want to go first here? Yeah, because this is one that I took a lot of time thinking about and, and literally pull up a map. I have my map up here because I know that the Sun Belt wants to stay true to its regionality, and I think adding other teams. Could, t- could potentially take away from that regionality. We're seeing the Big Ten Conference is now touching Pacific time to East time. And I know that's not something that the Sunbelt necessarily wants to do. So I was thinking, what's a good way to add some new states to this conference, but also keep its regionality? And with that, I thought the Sunbelt, if it had to add two teams right now and I had that choice, I'd take Western Kentucky from Conference USA and Memphis from the American Conference. You have Tennessee now being added to the conference. I obviously touches Mississippi, Alabama, both Carolinas, Arkansas. Then you have Kentucky right above it that touches Virginia, West Virginia. So you can still keep that regionality. And these are two of the most recognizable programs, I think, across all of college football. When you talk about both teams having over 100 years of tradition, two most iconic brands and helmets when you think about college football tons of history there staples in the game and 
obviously some high quality ball when you look over the years at what Western Kentucky's been able to do specifically against Sunbelt teams in bowl games in recent history. Memphis being one of those teams I was in often consideration for the Cotton Bowl playing in one of those in their history. I think it would be great ball to add to the conference. I think it would make recruiting even more competitive and just elevate the conference as a whole. So I know expansion is probably not likely, but I think if I had to add two, if I was the commissioner of the league, those would definitely be my two top targets for the Sun Belt moving forward and expanding it to that little six team type, 16 team type deal. Well, I think it's important to mention here. These were our, our dream, you know, additions. So I think those are some great dream additions. Are they realistic? I don't know. I know Brett would enjoy doing some graphic designing with Western Kentucky's new logos on their helmets. So that at least would be uh, a good addition to the conference. But Kane, I went a slightly different direction here. And again, I wanted to find teams that fit inside the footprint. Uh, and, you know, we started one of the first questions in this conversation was talking about rivalries. And so I wanted to find Texas State a rival. I found them. It's UTSA. They're right down the road in San Antonio. Uh, I think that is a, a natural rivalry. We already saw you know, the game last year. It was one of the most attended games uh, in UTSA history. This year, the return trip to San Marcos, I'm expecting it to be equally as good. So I think that would be a dream addition, and it would further add another team in Texas, I think would be great uh, for the Sun Belt. And then you know, on the other side of the conference, Caden, I've said it multiple times on this podcast, I, I still think East Carolina would be a great addition. I think they... They fit right into the conference. They have a fan base that continues to show out. They have good tradition uh, across multiple of their sports. So I think uh, ECU would be a really uh, big dream addition if we were looking uh, to the Sunbelt East. But, you know, one of the things that I'm excited about, and we'll go to this next section, that's talking some video games, is I have heard rumors that in the new EA Sports video game, you can actually create your own conference. So, Brett, that might come into play here. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I, I think everybody that's listening y'all to myself love the video game love the fact that it's coming back it's been a long 10-year hiatus so um you know i think these uh these video game questions are going to be giving some some cool answers so first question is if you were starting a dynasty on ea sports college football 2025 which sunbelt program would you use i told you our listeners brought the good questions uh this is probably my favorite kate now i'm going to go first here and you know I jumped quickly to Texas State, and I've got a couple of really good reasons because I have heard, you know, and it's been reported uh, by some people that I know you work with it on three, that at the end of the day, each of these schools' playbooks is going to be unique. Texas State obviously has a super unique offense. It's built to score points. I think that's fun. And if you can start to win in a dynasty in uh, this video game, obviously the fan base is going to continue to show up. And you have talked at length about Texas recruiting. I think you can save money by recruiting inside the state of Texas. So I think that's interesting. And Kane, we've also heard that the transfer portal and NIL are going to be involved. And we know how good GJ Kinney is at landing guys out of the transfer portal. And, and again, we know in the state of Texas, you have to look no farther than the high school stadiums. There's money in the state of Texas. So if Texas State starts winning in the video game in this proverbial world that I'm creating, I think Texas State could become a power uh, in college football as a dynasty program. Yeah, no, that's an excellent pick. And I think the go-to pick when you want to pick a dynasty in, in a game like this, you want to pick a team that's on a rise. You want to pick a team that hasn't been in that national spotlight at all and put them up into prominence. But I think another important, important factor when we talk about the NCAA double game video, NCAA video game is just the vibes and the aesthetics and how it looks. And I think when it comes to aesthetics in this video game, it's going to be hard to top that teal field at Coastal Carolina. So that's my pick. I think having home games on that teal field is going to be awesome. Sick uniforms just looking good. And I think they kind of are in that space where this is a program that in the last couple of years has 
gotten some national attention, has been ranked before, but hasn't quite broken through to that level that you can get to in the video game, maybe having a Heisman Trophy winner get into that 12-team playoff. And I think it'd be awesome just picturing having a, t- a, a team in Coastal Carolina in this video game potentially hosting a college football playoff game maybe on this teal field virtually. I think that would be sick. I know Coach Beck would be having his playbook in there as well. It's definitely an excellent one that I think could rival a lot of different playbooks across the country in this game. So give me Coastal Carolina as the team I would use as my dynasty for NCAA football 25. You know, all right, first of all, I'm going to chime in here. I'm going to get creative with with it because, you know, that's 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 my nature. So I'm going to I'm going to do a couple of things. It's going to touch on a couple of subjects that we've already talked about. I'm going to get a team that is a would be a natural rival of Texas State would get you the DFW market, which would be talking to the regionality, but also touching new grounds. And it's going to be a former Sunbelt Conference foe. And that is North Texas. I'm bringing in the Mean Green to the Sunbelt, bringing them back to the Sunbelt. I love that. Got the Kelly Green uniforms. Got, you got white, black, gray, all the, the retro fits and everything. You got the history with Mean Joe Green over there. I think it would be an amazing move. I'm that's going to be my first dynasty with uh with a new Sun Belt, a new but familiar face within the Sun Belt. I think that's going to be a great one, Brett. All right, guys. Well, let's let's keep it going here. We got one more video game question, and that is, who do you expect to be the highest rated Sun Belt player to be in the EA Sports video game? Caden, uh, we're going to let you go first. Is there any App State bias here? There is, but also when you just look at the history of this video game, man, if you're if you're one of those guys that gets some national notoriety like like Joey Aguilar did, you can expect to do some big things in the video game. When you look at Joey Aguilar's numbers from last season, App State just put out a graphic. This is a guy that was one of the top 10 or five passers when it came to touchdown passes yardage last year, shattered a bunch of school records. So I think when you make the video game, when they tailor how to give overall ratings to players. I think you look at some of the stuff Joey Aguilar was able to do last season. He could be that top player when it comes to a rating in the conference. Now, if there are some returning players who are leaving and going on to the NFL, I think it'd be different. But I think returning to the Sun Belt next year, I expect to have at least 90 plus accuracy for this guy, 90 plus deep ball accuracy, some some mobility there too. I think Joey Aguilar is going to be a great player to play with in the Sun Belt. Even if he's not the top rated one, I think he has a good chance of being that. But he's definitely going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the game, I think, just based on what he was able to do last season in college football from a national standpoint. Yeah, Kane, I think you're right. And if we're being honest, and, and I think EA Sports should get on board with this. I think each individual conference, I think they should create a, a cover for those conferences. And if there was a cover athlete Ooh. in the Sun Belt, I think Joey Aguilar – uh, would be on there. So I think that's a great pick. I know for me, uh, I went to the defensive side of the ball, which is probably going to surprise you a little bit. You know, I, you know, I love my offense, but uh, Old Dominion's Jason Henderson is going to be a freaking monster in this game. I'm great. He's pick. the type of guy like, you know, in Madden where you, you don't use the whole defense. You just select the linebacker and just go make every single tackle on the field. That's already what he does in real life. I think he's going to do it uh, in a video game. So I think uh, he's going to be up there. Uh, he'll probably be one of the top, you know, probably 10 linebackers uh, in the video game. So I think that's going to be fun. Kane, I know that the other thing that you and I kind of talked about uh, in the lead up to this question was just a player who was uh, going to be most exciting. And, you know, I did go back to the offensive side of the football here and I'm going with Troy's Chris Lewis. I think this is a guy that could easily have a 90 plus catch uh, in this video game, we saw him, you know, have multiple catches end up on Sports Center this year. Uh, he's got the ability to, uh, you know, elevate and catch balls. He's got great hands. Uh, if they have a good quarterback at Troy this year, which obviously we're still, uh, you know, waiting to figure out, uh, I think Chris Lewis could be a lot of fun to play with uh, in this new EA Sports video game. 
Yeah, definitely great answer by you with Jason Henderson. He might be the best kind of combination of these two things. He might be the most funny and the highest rated player on the defensive side of the block. I could just picture roaming around with him, blitzing with him, having just a field day when it comes to playing this video game. But I think most fun players to play with, when you talk about that category, you have to think about the mobile quarterback. And, and the best mobile quarterback in this conference, I think, next season will be Jalen Rayner. I expect mm. him to have a great speed rating, a great juke rating, great skill set for, for, for what you want to play this video game as, which is not a pocket passer. You want to be able to run around, scramble around, get it done with your arm and legs. I think Jalen Rayner will be a great pick. And just another archetype of player that you want to have in this kind of video game is that do-it-all kind of running back. And, and Ismail Mahdi definitely checks that Ooh. box. He's going to be a guy you'll be able to return punts with, return kickoffs with, catch Ooh. out of the backfield. He might be like the Reggie Bush of the Sumbo when it comes down to this video game, thinking about the old video game back in the day. So those are definitely my top two picks as far as probably the most fun and electrifying players to play with in this upcoming video game. Yeah, I think you nailed those. I think those are going to be uh, some fun players uh, to play with. Brett, uh, we've got three more questions left here. I know uh, we've kind of grouped him as the coaching carousel a little bit. What do we got? Yeah, so this first one is going to be, what do you think about Georgia State's choice to hire Dell McGee as their head coach? Okay, now I'm just going to jump in here. I love it. I think this is the right hire. Uh, we already mentioned it earlier on. I think it's going to create a little bit more animosity between them and, and Georgia Southern. Uh, you know, I think the biggest thing, and we talked uh, to Ben Moore on a, a couple episodes ago, and he talked about recruiting. And, you know, you talk oftentimes about how good the talent base is in the state of Georgia. Del McGee is a proven recruiter, and you heard it come up multiple times in his press conference on Monday when he was announced as the head coach. Recruiting is going to be key here. I think he is going to be able to get into Metro Atlanta. I think he's going to recruit in the state of Georgia extremely well. I will say, and I said this on Twitter earlier today, I do think you have to uh, you know, lower the expectations a little bit here in year one. I personally think the win total, the over-under for Georgia State heading into year one under Del McGee is probably four and a half. You might be able to stretch it to five here. I'm not sure this is a bowl team given uh, you know, how their schedule plays out, but I think this is a team that if they get the recruiting right, Caden could be a seven, eight win football team year in and year out. And at the high end, might be able to compete for a Sunbelt championship. Yeah, this is a slam dunk hire. No, I mean, this guy checks all of the boxes. He's from Kendrick, Georgia. He played high school football in Georgia. He's a guy that played at Auburn and in the NFL. We love our former football players, turn head coaches, and how they're able to inspire teams and relate to their players. And you talk about before his college head coaching tenure, this is a guy that spent a decade coaching at the high school level for Georgia. Most of that is a high school head coach in the state of Georgia. So you know he still has those recruiting ties, has proven he could do that at Georgia. And having the championship pedigree of being in a program like Georgia in the last couple of years, this is a two-time national champion who knows what the expectations look like, what no, he knows what a championship standard looks like. And I think he checks all of the boxes for what I think this Georgia State program is, is doing looking forward. You mentioned this isn't going to be something that gets fixed overnight. But I think when you talk about this coach and this fit specifically in the state of Georgia and really not afraid to say it, an African-American head coach in the state of Georgia, in the city of Atlanta specifically, making an impact, trying to change the culture there. I think it's going to be huge for the program. And I think it's something that's not going to happen overnight. But I think over the next couple of years, this is the perfect person to put this program on track and get them in the right direction moving forward. Yeah, I think suffice to say, slam dunk hire here for Georgia State. I think they got uh, the right guy here. Uh, Brett, I know he's one of five new head coaches, and that kind of had something to do with our next question. Yeah, which is a perfect transition. Um, so which new Sunbelt football head coach, Applewhite, Chesney, McGee, Parker, or Vincent, do you think is going to have the best season in 2024? Caden, take this one. 
Yeah, I'm going to go with Jared Parker in this one. I think when you look at all of these new head coaching jobs, they're not definitely all created equally. But I think when it comes to maintaining culture, I think Jared Parker has been handed the keys to, to somewhat of a Ferrari when you look at the west side of this conference. I think compared to Bob Chesney, who obviously has a lot of infrastructure on the, si- on the other side of the conference and James Madison and kind of picking up where Kurt Signetti left off, Bob Chesney is picking up where Coach Summerall left off. And I think this is a program now that kind of has championship expectations. There's more familiar faces in the program, both with the staff and with the personnel that knows what it takes to win a championship. And when you look at the West side of this conference, I think it's just easier to get wins. And I think Coach Chesney is going to be able to more easily pick up where Coach Summerall left off moving forward and take this program or continue to maintain this program as far as what their standards have been able to do. I think the defense is still going to be strong. I think he's going to maintain that there. And I think just overall, when you look at doing whole rebuilds like some of these coaches are going to have to do, this is one of the few head coaches in the conference that's going to be primed for success, just given the expectation and what the standard is at Troy. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. I also personally uh, like Major Applewhite in that hire at South Alabama. I think that they are going to be one of the better teams uh, in the Sunbelt West. So I, I like the Jared Parker pick. I, I think Major Applewhite's definitely worth watching out for. But for me, Caden, and uh, you know, I wasn't expecting you to pick Bob Chesney because you've got James Madison finishing fourth uh, in the Sun Belt East. I, you know, I still don't quite understand that pick, but uh, <laughs> you know, I went with Bob Chesney here because uh, this is a guy who is stepping into a program that has consistently won. They have not had a losing season since 2002. They've already brought in some really nice pieces from the transfer portal. I think that they're going to even do more work when you get into the spring window uh, that's going to come. Uh, in April, they've got the pedigree. Obviously, we've talked on this show about uh, Jeff Bourne's hiring prowess, the AD there for James Madison. He has not gotten many hires wrong. Uh, you could honestly say he hasn't gotten a single hire wrong as a head football coach. So I think James Madison's going to have instant success under uh, Bob Chesney, and I think that uh, he's going to have a big season. So give me uh, Bob Chesney to have uh, the best season here in 2024. Uh, Brett, I know we've got one question left. We'll get to it quickly. Yeah. So let's uh, finish on a strong note, a little bit of a fun note on this one. So last question, which Sunbelt football coach would you like to spend the day with? Brett, I think I'm just going to turn the table on you. And uh, who's who's your coach that you want to spend uh, a day with first? <laughs> I mean, shoot, I don't want to take any of uh, uh, any of y'all's answers or any of your thunder here. But I mean, I saw that uh, as soon as the, the fly bowl came around, I mean, Coach Beck, man, he, he hit social media like a firestorm. I think he seems like my kind of guy to, you know, have a have a you know a couple a couple fun nights with. I think he'd be a a, a, a guy that knows uh you know knows how to have fun, can tell you a couple stories and everything, and just knows a little bit about everything. He seems like like some good people to hang out with. What do you think, Cato? Right. That's the no. That's the no brainer answer. I mean, I already thought <laughs> from having Tim Beck on the show. He was a great t- conversation when we had him on the show. We met him at Media Days. He's a great guy. Had some great talks with him about the Coastal Carolina program. Just great talking ball with him. But I think what separates Coach Beck from the other coaches in this conversation is the Hawaii Bowl picture. I mean, when you talk about me <laughs> being a single twenty-five-year-old man, seeing that as a head coach on the beach. I mean, who doesn't want to hang out? with Tim Beck on the beach anytime soon, just looking at the way he vibes out on the beach and who his company is. So Tim Beck is the no-brainer answer here for me. But I also think the sleeper pick is definitely Butch Jones at Arkansas State. This is a guy who has a lot of stories for sure. Coaching in the SEC is as brutally honest as we know from having him on the show. So I think he'd just be have a, a great guy to crack a beer with, have a conversation with, and, and tell some stories back and forth about some SEC coaching days. Well, I was hoping neither of you guys were going there, but you did. And I, I can't <laughs> disagree with you. I mean, I feel like uh, Tim Beck, he brings some of those uh, Jersey Shore vibes a little bit. I feel like he'd be a, a fun guy uh, to spend some time with 
uh, away from the football field. But another guy that I think would be a lot of fun to spend some time with is DJ Kenny. And that's because he'd probably be on his cell phone for most of the time, you know, getting guys out of the transfer portal recruiting. I think if you were, uh, you know, an Adam Schefter or uh, Pete Thamel, he'd be the guy you'd want to spend all day with because you'd get breaking news left and right. We've seen him jump in rivers after wins. So uh, I think G.J. Kinney would be a lot of fun. And, and obviously he's played in the NFL. He has a lot of really good stories uh, all the way back to Texas high school football. So I think G.J. Kinney uh, would be a lot of fun to to hang out with. But uh, this has been fun, guys. Brett, always uh, appreciate you coming on the show and always uh, enjoy a good mailbag. Yeah, thank you guys once again for having me. Always, always a fun time hanging out with y'all here on the show. Uh, again, can't, can't wait to do it again next time and uh, really appreciate y'all. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode. We hope y'all enjoyed our off-season mailbag. Just a quick reminder, we're going to be back on Thursday. We're going to be discussing our top 10 non-conference games that will take place in the Sun Belt in 2024. Trust us, it's going to be worth the listen. That'll do it for us here at the Prairie and Smith podcast. Before you go, here's all we ask. We recently launched our YouTube channel. We're putting a lot of ton of, or we're putting a lot of great content out on YouTube. Uh, we'd appreciate if you would take some time to go over there and subscribe and join uh, what is becoming a growing community of Sunbelt football fans. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, thanks for spending more time with us again today. Always appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you again on Thursday.